We've come to the end of this series on uh, discipleship and on disciples, and I just want to remind you as well that the message today doesn't stand by itself. It is in conjunction and connected with the last three messages that we've been sharing in this series. And so if you've missed any of them, uh, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to that because today's message won't really make sense unless you actually listen to the first three because they're all intertwined together. We're talking about being disciples, about growing as disciples, and about making disciples. And today, the focus is about a community of disciple-making disciples. And so uh, we emphasize these three words, which we're going to continue to talk about, which is be, grow, and make. Can you repeat that after me? Be, grow, and make. And these next few slides we've gone over for the last uh, few weeks, so I'm just going to have you read them with me so that it's just as a reminder of what it is and what our definition is of being a disciple or of discipleship. So the first thing is, let's read this together. Being a, be a disciple is to be with Jesus. The next section, grow as a disciple is to become like Jesus. And finally, make disciples is to do what Jesus did. So we want to be disciples, we want to grow as disciples, and we want to make disciples. And if you remember in this discipleship pathway that we laid out, it's in a circle. And there's a couple of reasons for that, but the reason we're going to look at today is that all of this actually happens in community. It happens one with another. We weren't called to live this life, walk this life, or do this journey um, alone. We were called to do it together. And so we looked at our definition as we combine these three things together. A disciple of Jesus is someone who spends time with him, becomes like him, and does what he does, which is to, to make disciples. Or the simpler definition we also gave is a disciple is an apprentice of Jesus. He's called all of us to apprentice with him to grow in his likeness, to grow in his image, and to do what he did. And so I want to encourage you along that, that way that even though we're finishing this series of discipleship right now, that doesn't mean discipleship finishes. It's something that we're going to come back to over and over and over again uh, because this is something so key and so critical uh, in the journey uh, of our church and in the journey of our lives as well. And so particularly in this year, we're really going to focus on discipleship and about being disciples, growing as disciples, and making disciples, and we'll continue to emphasize this as we go on. We, we shared this quote from John Mark Comer uh, when he said, if you want to experience the life of Jesus, and anyone here you'd like to experience the life of Jesus? Can I see some hands, anyone? We have a few people, okay. If you want to experience the life of Jesus, then what do you have to do? You have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. You're not gonna change overnight. I'm not gonna change overnight. And so many different things that we do, we don't change overnight, but it's through the gradual process of the working of the Spirit of God in us. And as we take these little steps, uh, step by step, that God does his work in our life and we adopt the lifestyle of Jesus, the spiritual disciplines, the things that Jesus did, and that changes us and transforms us into the image and likeness and character of God. So today, we're going to look at this idea of being a community because this discipleship pathway is in a circle. And all of these things, being a disciple, growing as a disciple, and making disciples all happen in community. It all happens together. And if we're not in community right now, 
I want to encourage you to be in community. During this month of October, today is the last day that we're doing our life group trials where a number of you signed up to be in life groups and to, uh, to try it out for these four weeks and uh, hopefully continue to meet, maybe not Sunday after the service as we've been doing for the past four weeks and we'll do today as well, but maybe at other times during the week and we have a number of other life groups that meet during the week. But all of these things that we're talking about, it happens within community. It's not on our own that we do this. And My first point here, I'm going to share with you five things. My first point might shock you a little bit. You can't follow Jesus alone. Now, some of you might think, Daniel, hold on here, Daniel. I can't follow Jesus alone? Yes, you can't follow Jesus. Did Jesus call one disciple? No. He called a few disciples. Jesus calls us to follow him together in community. Now, there are some things that you can do by yourself, for sure, and there are some situations and circumstances that can be the exception, but generally speaking, what we see in God's Word is that God calls us together as a community. If you look at some of the things in the Word of God and some of the ways that the Word of God describes um, the body of Christ, we, Bala read for us from that portion of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 12 that talks about the body of Christ and how we are all members of that body. That body is not distinct, that those parts are not distinct uh, in and of itself. In some of those verses, it, it, it says the whole body is not an eye. If I were to pluck my eye out by itself and just let it sit there, would it survive on its own? No. It'll eventually dry up and it'll be gone. The eye, for the eye to function and for the eye to continue to do what it does needs the rest of the, of the body. In a very similar way, all of us function within the body of Christ. Here are a few different examples in the Word of God that we can see how Jesus talks about, how the Word of God talks about us as a community of disciples, as a community of followers of Jesus. He talks about the church, the temple. It's not just the church and temple is not just one thing, but it's a number of things put together, a building priesthood, the flock, that we are sheep within his flock, the, the vineyard, we are branches within that vine, the kingdom of God, that's, a, that's a, 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 a large entity, family, the body, which is what we read there in 1 Corinthians 12, chosen people, holy nation, a city, all of these things are descriptions of the body of Christ, of the followers of Jesus, of a community of disciple makers, and it's not by itself. Now, you might give me the argument, and I put it up here because someone's going to give me the argument, Daniel, the bride of Christ, isn't that one person? Isn't that one thing? Well, in Revelation, when John sees the bride of Christ, what does he see the bride of Christ as? As the city of God. He says, I saw the new Jerusalem come down as a bride, adorned, ready for her husband, Right? And so all of these things, all of these illustrations, all of these metaphors that we see, they are communal in nature. They are corporate in nature. They are not solo. They are not individualistic. And this goes against the grain of our thinking because if you've grown up in the Western world particularly and uh, post-enlightenment ideology that is so individualistic focus, we are just thinking about me, myself, and I. We're just very self-centered in our thinking. And what is good for me? How can I do something better for me and for my family? It's very, very individualistic in nature. And that is not the way of Jesus. That is not the community that God calls us to be a part of. 
Look at what it says here in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 and verse 12. The human body is many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. We are all parts of that body together. In verse 21, it says, The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. It, one part of the body can't function on, on its own. Can, my, can I just take, cut my foot off and say, go and walk over there and do this for me? It doesn't work that way. It all functions together as one body. I can't just cut off my arm and say, okay, go pack some Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes. Will it do that automatically? No. The, bo- the arm works together with the rest of the body. And as we heard today as well, when, when we pack shoeboxes, the community comes together and does that together. We are all members of that body. And so we follow Jesus together in community. Look at what it says here in 1 Peter. Here's another metaphor that talks about the building. He says here that there are two metaphors used here, lively or living stones and also the priesthood. You are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. We are all stones in that spiritual temple that God is building. Have you ever seen a whole building made of one stone? No. It's all of these different stones come and put together, right? What's more, you are holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Here is an interesting study that was done by Barner. I was very surprised at this. Look at what it says. And this is, I'll give you some stats. And some of these are American stats, but some of them translate to Canada. I'll give you some Canadian statistics as well. But here, U.S. Christians and their personal life. This was in 2021, uh, right? What does it say here? Do you consider your personal spiritual life to be entirely private? 56% said yes. What about you? If we took that poll here today, how many of you would say, my spiritual life is entirely private, nobody else needs to know, I don't need a journey with anyone else, it's just me? That's not what God has called us to. That's not the way of Jesus. That's not what he lays out in being a community of disciple-making disciples. Here's some interesting statistics here. In, in 2015, 41% of Christians considered their spiritual lives to be entirely private. And then the graph that I just showed you, that's 2021, or the end of 2020, beginning of 2021, when they, when they took the survey. That went up to what? 56%. In six years, it went up 15% that people started to think and consider, my spiritual journey, my walk with Jesus, it's just me. It's just personal. That's it. That's all it is. So I want to correct that misunderstanding. And I want us to understand the way of Jesus is not individualistic. It's not just a private walk with Jesus. There's elements to that. But we can't do it alone. We journey together in community. In 2015, 38% of Christians said they preferred discipleship to be on there. Oh, I, I just want to read my Bible. I'll listen to my own, you know, music and worship the Lord, and I don't need any, anything else. I, I think that's scary because this is not the way that Jesus laid out for us. I don't know, what would the stat be in 2023? Would it be way more than 38%? Friends, God's called us to journey together in community. Look at this graph here from Barna as well. 39% of people are not engaged in discipleship. 39%. 
28% are in a discipleship community, 5% only discipling others, so like mentoring others or discipling others, and 28% only being discipled. What we really want is that blue quadrant of that, of that pie chart in a discipleship community. Friends, can I encourage you today to be in a discipleship community? to be in a, with a community of believers that are traveling and journeying together in this spiritual walk where you find help and support and encouragement and love and, and prayer and all of the wonderful things that come in journeying together in community. It's so critically important. In 1 John it says, For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he that has, has given us this commandment, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Friends, it's not just about a vertical relationship. Okay, I'm good with God and that's it. I don't need anyone else. Just me and him, this vertical relationship. I can, I can have my own discipleship just with the Lord and that's it. No, that's not what it's all about. That if we say that we love God who we have not seen, then we need to be able to love the horizontal relationships as well. Those whom we can see. And if we can't do that, then how can we say that we love God? Oh, this person really ticks me off. Oh, I'm really bitter at this person. Oh, this person really hurt me, so I don't want to have anything to do with that person. I don't even want to forgive that person. If we can't love others whom we can see, how can we say we love God who we haven't seen? We can't have this vertical relationship if the horizontal ones are not good. Number two, community is critical in a culture of loneliness and distrust. I wonder how many people are, are here. I, I, want, I want you to answer this question for yourself. Are you living in a place of loneliness and isolation? Or are you living in a place of distrust where because maybe because of some relationships have burned you and some things that have happened where people have broken your trust that you don't even want to step into those relationships again or into other relationships because you're either isolated or you're distrustful? Community is so critical. The only way that we heal from relationships is if we step into other relationships. The only way we heal from those relationships is to step back in to relationship. Uh, the, the Surgeon General in the United States, I don't know if, if you heard, but the Surgeon General in the United States this year, 2023, declared uh, an epidemic. The greatest health crisis in the, in the United States right now. Do you know what it is? Loneliness. The greatest health crisis, he said. I'm going to read, uh, read a couple of things from a few articles. Uh, if you go to the notes page uh, of, on our website of this message, I've linked uh, about five different articles here, and I'm going to read you just portions of, of some of these articles so that you can understand. Some of these are, are American. Some of them are Canadian as well. And, and, and the Surgeon General said this is the single greatest public health threat, threat in America. The U.S. Surgeon General declared a new public health epidemic in America, loneliness. A new report finds loneliness can have profound effects on mental health as well as, as well as, and you might not have made this connection, as well as heart disease, stroke, and dementia. It tracks decline in social connections and links all of this to billions, and billions of dollars in healthcare costs. And if you go to our notes page, I've linked it to the 82-page study that they put out that connects all of this together. Widespread loneliness in the U.S. poses health risks to deadly as deadly as smoking up to 15 cigarettes daily. Research shows Americans who have become less engaged with worship houses, yeah, this is what I said, worship houses, 
community organizations, and even their own family members in recent decades have steadily reported an increase in feelings of loneliness. The number of single households has also doubled over the last 60 years. Loneliness increases the risk of premature death by nearly 30%. With, those report, with the report revealing that those with poor social relationships also had a greater risk of stroke and heart disease. And this is, they have statistics behind all of this. Again, you can go and read the report and look at all of that. Isolation also elevates a person's likelihood for experiencing depression, anxiety, and dementia, according to the research. Technology has rapidly exacerbated the loneliness problem, with one study cited in the report finding that people who use social media for two hours or more daily were more than twice as likely to report feeling socially isolated than those who were on such apps for less than 30 minutes a day. Between 2003 and 2020, social engagement with friends decreased from 60 minutes a day in 2003 to just 20 minutes a day in 2020. Here in Canada, Dr. Jacques Lee from Mount Sinai said, loneliness is as bad for you as smoking. And he was citing a, a study. He said, um, uh, adding that approximately, probably 45,000 deaths a year in Canada are attributed, can be connected back to this. And it's an ongoing clinical trial that's at Mount Sinai Hospital going on right now. There is so much that's connected with loneliness that has ripple effects and repercussions. And the Lord wants us to be in community. He wants us to be able to journey together in the way of Jesus. In Ecclesiastes, it says, two people are better off than one, for, if they, help each other, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in not just trouble, it's in real trouble. It's really difficult. Friends, I want to encourage you to be in community. Particularly after COVID, things have escalated so much with isolation and, and mental health effects because of this. 58% um, of Americans feel lonely. More than 40% of Canadians feel lonely, some, some or all of the time. And I've linked to, linked to a study by Statistics Canada on our website uh, for some of these stats. Canadian youth aged 15 to 24 years, nearly one in four, about 23%, said they always or often feel lonely. And this is concerning, because if this, if this is happening, there's other ripple effects that come out of loneliness. And not just youth, but there are studies that are showing even uh, older people in their, in their senior years are feeling more and more lonely, and it's causing more and more damage as well. In August and September of 2021, close to half, about 49% of those who said that they always or often felt lonely reported that their mental health was either fair or poor. In comparison, those who said that they had rarely or never felt lonely, a much smaller share, 7%, reported fair, or, reported fair or poor mental health, meaning it was much better for them to be in community for their mental health. And that's from, that's from Canada. Friends, God has called us to be in community, to journey together. In Ecclesiastes, a couple of verses down, it says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Here's Daniel's UAC version. 
You ready? Mentorship is great. A life group is even better. Because <laughs> in mentorship, you have two, you know, one one-on-one, -on -one, and that's great, and that's wonderful. A three, a three are even better. Being in a life group, being in a community of people, journeying together. Our, our culture has changed so much. Our world has changed so much. Our environment has changed so much that we become prone to isolation. Our, our environment has been constructed around us that has, gives us the opportunity more easily for isolation. When we, look at, when we look at our world, our culture is designed for convenience and independence, right? If you, think of, if you think of social media, you can keep up to date with all of the news just from your, your couch or from your, or from your bed. If you want to watch some shows, you can watch whatever you want in, uh, on Netflix. If you need some food while you're watching Netflix, you can go to DoorDash or Uber Eats, right? And if you want to shop and buy some stuff, you can do that on Amazon. If you want to buy groceries, you can buy groceries through all of these methods as well. You don't even have to leave your house. You don't have to interact with anyone. Our culture and our environment has changed so much that it leads and it tends us to, it pushes us towards social isolation. And unless we intentionally battle against that, unless we intentionally make steps in our life to connect with others and build community around us, we are going to go the way of so many people that are in the pathway of loneliness. This past week, um, uh, myself and some of our staff were able to go to the Global Leadership Summit, and one of the talks there was by a lady named Liz Bohannon. And she gave a wonderful talk. If you ever get the chance to listen to that, I would highly encourage it. And she talks about what she's done in terms of building community, an amazing inspirational story. She said this, it takes about 90 hours to go from stranger to acquaintance to friend. Okay, 90 hours. Sometimes we make excuses and say, I don't have enough time to make friends. I don't have enough time to connect with community. I don't have enough time to be able to do all of these things. Well, she said, research shows that it takes about 90 hours. That's about meeting with your life group for two hours every week for one year, approximately. Then to go from friend to intimate friend, someone who you would trust that you'd be able to share, would take a, a, another 110 hours or about another, another one year's worth of life groups. So maybe in about two years, you can build some of those relationships where you have people that you can intimately trust and journey together and do life with. It's not going to happen overnight, but it's going to take time and intentionality because the culture and the surroundings and, 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 and the environment around us are taking us towards more and more and more isolation. And it's not the way of Jesus. It's not the way of disciples that seek to be disciple-making disciples. I won't go through all of this. It's on, our, it's on the notes page as well. But in, in the scriptures, you can see over 50 commands in the, in the word of God that talks about one another. And I just listed a few of them here. Love one another, be devoted to one another, build one another up, admonish one another, serve one another, bear one another's burdens, forgive one another, encourage one another, exhort one another, pray for one another. Don't worry about writing it all down. You can go to the notes page. It's all on there, and you can read the references. But there's so much that's there. Number three, community is messy. If you think, I'm going to join a life group or I'm going to join a community and we're going to just come together, we're going to sing Kumbaya and live happily ever after, it doesn't work that way. Because we are flawed individuals, we are flawed people, we have sinful nature, and the desire to step into community is going to come with some messiness. Look at the disciples, Right? If you think our world is polarized with all of the political situations and things that are happening right now, 
the early disciples, you had Matthew, the tax collector, who was there supporting Rome, and then you had Simon, the zealot, and the zealots were already, pull out your swords and let's tear down Rome. Both in the same group of Jesus. Imagine what they were talking about over lunch. Imagine the political discussion during Thanksgiving. Maybe that some of us have had to have. There was so much that was going on. It was messy. There was a time when James and John and James and John's mother, the mother got involved as well and said, hey, Jesus, can you make James and John sit on my right and left hand? It would be so wonderful and so great. And when the rest of the disciples heard that, what did they think? What are you talking about? You guys asked that? They probably wanted to kick them out of, the, uh, out of their little life group. Say, so forget about I don't want these guys in my life group. They want to be the rulers. They want to be the big shots. What did Jesus say in community? Because community is messy. He said, but among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. Community is messy. But if we step into it, if we journey with other people, if you get put into a life group, you're not going to get put in with 10 other perfect people. You're going to get put in with 10 other people like you and like me that are fallen, sinful people, but that want to journey together in the way of Jesus. But don't let your loneliness and your distrust prevent you from stepping into relationship because it prevents so many people from doing that. It prevents so many people from taking that step of trust because you've been burned, you've been hurt, you've been offended, and you can't trust people anymore. And that prevents you from stepping into community, and it causes so many other ripple effects as well. Friends, step into that. Step into community. Look at what it says here in Acts 6, verse 1. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that the widows were being discriminated against in the daily food uh, distribution of food. This was happening in the early church. There was grumblings. There was this person. Oh, these, this ethnic group is getting more, and that ethnic group is not getting enough. And all of this was happening within community. It was messy. They had to deal with it. And church will be messy as well. And sometimes people on the outside will look and say, oh, these guys are a bunch of hypocrites. Well, we're a hospital for sick people. You don't walk into the hospital and say, what are all these people doing here? These doctors don't know what they're doing. Otherwise, all these people would be healed and well. Do you say that? Look at all these people still in bed. No, we're a work in progress. Look at this, this graph from... From, from Barna Research around the same time, and it talks about uh, people walking with Jesus. And if you look on the left side, it says, my relationship with Jesus brings me deep joy and satisfaction. My relationship with Jesus impacts the way I live my life every day. I am re-energized re when I spend time with Jesus. If you see that light blue, all of those light blue ones that are the highest that are uh, there is people that are in a discipleship community. People in a discipleship community are feeling this about their relationship with Jesus. People in a discipleship community are feeling this overflowing relationship with Jesus. Whereas the total opposite of that, the ones in orange, are not engaged in a discipleship community. They're the lowest that's on there. And they're not finding life and fulfillment in a relationship with Jesus Christ because they're not part of this discipleship community. They're all connected together, friends. We need to be journeying in community. Number four, community is 
beautiful. Inasmuch as community is messy, community is beautiful. If you look at what was happening in the early church, and I won't read all the verses because of time, but in Acts 2, from, from verses 42 to 47, it talks about how they gathered together, they shared their meals together, they enjoyed one another, they, they, they uh, uh, broke bread together, they worshiped the Lord together, they were in the temple together, all these amazing things, and people were being saved, people were coming to saving faith in Jesus Christ because they were in community. Look at this graph as well. Look at all the top how Christians meet their discipleship community. See what the top one is? Where do they meet their community most often? 56% meet them where? In church. That's why I'm encouraging you to get involved in community. Get involved in a discipleship community. It's so important. In Acts chapter uh, 4, all the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that whatever they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. There was such wonderful community that was happening in, in verse 34 and 35. You can see that as well of all of what was happening in community. What they owned, they brought together. They shared with, uh, with those that had need. In Galatians 2, uh, this, part, this part I debated. Should I put this under community is beautiful or community is messy? What happened was that Peter did something that he shouldn't have done. He got caught, carried, a, carried away in some of the law, and, and Paul came to Peter because Paul was a, a friend of Peter, and it says here, but when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong. And I put this under community is beautiful instead of community is messy. Do you know why? Because it's beautiful when people can correct you that when you're going astray. It's beautiful when you can be brought back into the right way. That's the beauty of community. That's what community can do for us, is to bring us back in the right way. As we come to a place of vulnerability, transparency, authenticity, as we come to a place of trust where we can open up our lives, while people in our community can see us for who we are and say, Daniel, you're going astray. But if we're not in a discipleship community, we're missing that, we're losing out on that. Look at this Barna study as well. Um, friends should challenge each other to grow in healthy ways. Percentage of Christians that strongly agree. The ones in the discipleship community, 48% said, I strongly agree that friends should be able to correct others. But those that are not in a discipleship community, 20% said, no, don't touch me, please. Don't, don't tell me where I'm going astray. It's so important for us to be in that community. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, it says that if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have what? Closer relationship with Jesus? We do, but that's not what the verse says. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, when we come to a place of transparency and, open, and, and, and openness with one another, we have fellowship, one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I had a friend um, that we trained in ministry together over 20 years ago, and and at one point in time, we were like banging heads. We had to literally be separated by our overseeing pastor because we weren't getting along. We were arguing, we were fighting, and all of this was happening. And it was messy. But God used all of that to bring us together. And now we're like the best of friends, and I can call him. He lives in another city. I can call him and chat with him and talk to him about anything, and him with me as well. Because God used those hard and difficult situations to bring us closer together. Finally, I'll close with this. 
is that community is vital for transformation. Community is so vital for transformation. In the same way that we said that if we want the life of Jesus, we have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus, well, the lifestyle of Jesus was in community. And if we want the lifestyle of Jesus, well, the lifestyle of Jesus was something that was communal in nature. And it's so important for us for transformation because it does these two things. It encourages us, it supports us, and it develops us in the way of Jesus. And these are good positive things. But as I just shared as well, it also exposes us. It reveals and displays our sinfulness, our fallen nature, so that we can be transformed in the way of Jesus. And all that community, it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. If we want the life of Jesus, we have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus, and that doesn't change overnight. But it's little by little as we walk with the Lord, as we, as we take those little steps, as we form those little habits that changes our lives and, and, and keeps us in the way of Jesus, that our lives are transformed to be like him. If I can go back to our discipleship pathway, and we, I put a few things here. By all means, this is not final. This is not finished. This is, this is a work in progress, just as we are a work in progress. But there's a few things here that I wanted to highlight of what we do here at Unionville Alliance. And all of these things actually happen in community. And so to be disciples, that's to be with Jesus. And I put prayer and scripture reading here, but it could honestly go in any other place. But I, I put it there because those are the primary first two things that we need as we start our life with Jesus. Go to an alpha course, get mentored, come to a worship experience like this. And I want to encourage you as well, make a worship experience like this on a Sunday. Make that part of your spiritual rhythm, part of your spiritual routine. Because as you do that on a consistent week in, week out basis... It changes you, it transforms you, it puts, it puts discipline into you. And that's part of being disciples. As growing as disciples, we have life groups. We encourage you in your personal spiritual disciplines. Right now we're doing the prayer practice as well, and a number of people are journeying through that prayer practice. Spiritual gifts, we want you to know and grow as well in the spiritual gifting that God has given to you. Serve in various ways. Maybe attend a membership class and become a member. Deeper life courses, we're going to be doing some of those that help us just to go a little bit deeper in our walk with Jesus. And then in making disciples or doing what Jesus did is to take leadership opportunities that are here, is to be able to mentor others, go out in mission as well. And we're starting our mission cohort in, in, in January. Maybe be a prayer partner for someone else. There's some more things that we'll add to this. Eventually, this is just starting off. This is by, by no means the end. But friends, can I encourage you to be disciples, to grow as disciples, and to make disciples? Can I encourage you to apprentice with Jesus in community? We don't do it on our own. And even all of these things, even prayer and scripture reading. How many of you have been blessed when we've done scripture reading on the YouVersion Bible app and we read the scriptures together and you saw the comments and you saw the interactions of other people? We can do that communally. We pray together. We do life groups together. All of this stuff is done in community. It is the way of Jesus. I'll ask the worship team to come and I'll close with this verse. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 7 and 8, Paul talking to the, the, the church there in Thessalonica, he says this, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. He realized that they were, they were, they were spiritual infants. They weren't very mature. They were just starting out in their journey. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you, what? 
not only the gospel of God, not only just the theology, not only just the way of Jesus, not only just saying, hey, this is what it means to be a Christian or a follower of Jesus or, or what it means to apprentice with Jesus, but he said, but our lives as well. Paul realized that it's not just a theological understanding. It's not just an intellectual understanding that's going to cause life transformation, but it's being in community with other people and journeying together. And as we do that together in community, our lives are changed and transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus. Don't let the epidemic of loneliness overtake you. Don't fall towards the things that are happening in our culture and around our world that's pushing us towards more and more loneliness. We are more and more connected by technology. We can have a thousand Facebook friends, but maybe not even one true friend. We can have a million Instagram followers, but maybe no one to check up on us in our time of need. Share not only the theology of the gospel of God, but your own life as well, and be a disciple-making disciple.